Welcome on in. It is another edition of the Gang Does Fantasy Podcast. I am Taylor Wilson, a.k.a. Falcoholics Anonymous. As always, he's here. He's the commish. He's Yves Saint Laurent coming off of a heart you hate to lose to the bearers of the world. And you're coming off of just a heartbreaker last week, Reed. Uh, We're both coming off of losses. I'll just get mine out of the way first because... You know, I played the best team in the league and it really felt like a potential, a potential fulcrum moment for me. I get a little bit of roster luck on the bye weeks. You know, I get most of my team ready to go in the biggest matchup of the year. And then Eckler, you know, you end up, I end up getting the sudden game in Monday night football that I needed on the other side. I needed a single digit sudden game. And then, Hey, Eckler, you do the rest. He kind of did the rest. Ultimately it was just too tall a task. I fall to Dan. You'll. By what six or seven points in the final? Real heartbreaker. Yours was close too, Reed. A little bit lower scoring. I'll throw that chirp in. But uh, you know, you had some buy stuff you had to work around. And like I say, ultimately losing the bear is tough. So how are you? How are you feeling about the loss? Uh, well, I was going to say for think for you too is that Eckler got like thirty, combined like thirty thirty plus combined carries and targets. So he got theoretically like the volume he got enough to where you would have been able to score enough combined with Sutton having a down game. I mean, that really, and it went to overtime too. It could have been a real Monday night miracle situation. Uh, as it pertains to me, I mean, the team, you know, by week, all that just underperforming did not do well, uh, blew it against Barra, but we're, we're fine. You know, it's middle of the season. We're three and three. We got everything we want to accomplish in front of us. <sighs> yeah, you keep marching. I'm one in five. I'm deep in the trade talks across the league. We're going to do a little bit of fake trade, uh, you know, trade corner bachelor. Sorry, the fake trade bachelor. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm fucking up the branding in our various segments uh, a little bit later in the show. And uh, excitingly, you've thrown uh, my team in for one of the mock exercises, Reed. So we'll get into that. We'll talk about some possibilities. Um, I, interesting season right now. I mean, we're looking at you look at some of these scores and it's easy to say, all right, bye weeks are in, you know, maybe there were some big stars out. It's just kind of the luck of the draw, NFL scheduling, whatever it is. But you crunch the numbers, Reed, and actually fantasy points across the board are down around 22% on the season across the board. Now, again, you know, the caveat, it's easy to look at a league like this, especially if you've played in other leagues. This is not a 12-team league, so there's that. It is 10, uh, but we have the two quarterbacks set up. We have it set up to be difficult for a reason. And if you're going to compare this to some other leagues, the scores are often going to look lower uh, other than the 12 teamers. But it looks like this is a theme across fantasy. I would say driving this read, and maybe you disagree. I'd have to look at this positionally a little bit. Seems like the quarterbacks are driving this a little bit. I mean, obviously one of the themes in fantasy and football this season in general, you know, has been, What's happening with Brady and the divorce, right? Why is Aaron Rodgers looking 85 years old? Uh, Does he trust any of his receivers? Um, You know, even some of the explosive kind of running guys, there are worries around Kyler in that offense, even though he's QB8 on the year. Um, Scoring in general is down. Do you agree with me that it seems like the quarterbacks are driving that a little bit? I mean, Herbert, I didn't even mention Herbert. He's been down a little bit in that offense. Um, Do you see this as something across the board? I'm kind of looking at the quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you look at the quarterbacks, the thing that kind of sticks out to me is that, like, it seems like there is a 
the distribution of sexy receivers and sexy quarterbacks is a little off right now. Like you look at the Jets right now, that receiving core, you let, let's say Aaron Rodgers had that receiving core of Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios, uh, the two good tight ends of Conklin and CJ Uzama or whatever. All those guys would be putting up fantastic fantasy numbers. In fact, they would all be putting up sexy fantasy numbers if Joe Flacco were the quarterback, as we saw weeks one through three. Yeah. But with Zach Wilson, all those guys aren't doing shit. And in fact, Elijah Moore requested a trade today. Um, and maybe it's not even like the good, it's not, not necessarily like bad quarterbacks or anything, but you look at Jalen Hurts, for example, where he has A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, both excellent receivers. Jalen Hurts is doing a good job with them, but it's just a run-heavy offense. And when you're doing the run-heavy thing, that, that just means less opportunity for A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. You took A.J. Brown away from Ryan Tannehill, who would have been benefiting from having him. I mean, you mentioned wanting out. What a time for players just being completely distraught with their current employers, right? I mean, we're going to talk about the McCaffrey situation a little bit later. Of course, you know everything with the Robbie Anderson deal. We'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, I also, you know, this is a very strong kind of rookie and second year receiver class as well. And I think sometimes that stuff can be hard to handicap in terms of who has those guys on the team. I mean, this is a league where all those young guys, rookie tag or no, people are going to scoop up. But, you know, just in terms of trying to assess, do I start or sit this guy who's had five games in the NFL and had one, you know, solid amount of targets? One not. You think about the Drake London situation in Atlanta, how you manage that. Even the Garrett Wilson thing that you just touched on. A really, really talented couple of years of receivers coming into the league combined with, you know, some of these veterans. We've talked about Julio Jones injuries forever. No one thought he'd be a, a top receiver, but it's just an example of like guys are getting banged up while this new crop is coming in. And we talk about this like in soccer a lot with national teams where a team often you know, there's a golden generation where everyone comes in at the same time. And then a lot of these teams, you know, when things go south, it's you're a little too old and you're a little too young. That's how it feels like a little bit with some of these positions in the league right now. I don't know if that's too simple of a way to, to outline it. Uh, it does feel like, especially when you go just case by case with these quarterbacks that the second half of the season, they're going to pop up, you know, uh, there's also been injuries. Dak's coming back. We lost Trey Lance earlier in the year. Um, <clears throat> I'm missing several to, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. So that's a part of the deal as well. 22% drop off though. I mean, I, I was surprised to see that number. That's pretty significant. Yeah. Well, and to your point about the, the two old, too young thing, you can kind of say, say the same thing about the quarterbacks Yeah, where Rogers and Brady are both getting up there a little bit. We just lost Drew Brees and then the young guys. Well, it, it looks like that 2020 class is shaping up to be pretty nice now with Tua looking pretty good. And then Burrow and Herbert, Herbert already hit. Uh, but 2021, you know, my guy Trevor's doing okay. But if you look at the five quarterbacks and there, you got Trevor, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. There's not a single QB one out of the bunch right now. Um, yeah. I'm optimistic Trevor can get there, but we don't know. Uh, Zach Wilson is arguably unplayable. Trey Lance, I mean, he's out for the year, so obviously he's unplayable. Uh, Mac Jones is just a is a fine QB two, and Justin Fields, I and mean, we'll get to him. But you know, he's as boomer bust as anyone at the quarterback position. And if you're not restocking that, then you're going to have some problems. Totally. And I mean, look, there's other weirdness. Uh, you know, I I I was surprised you allowed Deshaun Watson to be eligible in the league, but 
there's that deal with the, you know, Jacoby's been fine until recent, basically until last game. Um, but, you know, there's weird situations like that popping up too that in theory will straighten themselves out as the season goes on in theory. But, you know, you've got to scour the waivers and try to figure some stuff out. I mean, you've asked the question here, Reed, um, how this trend affects how we're all playing fantasy in general, right? Um, the waivers have been relatively quiet, I would say, compared, I, you know, there was the huge Jimmy G sweepstakes. Um, and then there's kind of been little plug and play pickups here and there. Some nice gems, some nice diamonds in the rough, um, which is, of course, is how you have to do waivers. But like, you're also not seeing a ton. It, it, this is the weird thing to me, because you would think if fantasy points drop off, waivers should be more active, right? But it seems like they've been a little bit less so. Yeah, I mean, I guess part of that is just a lot of people are really attached to the idea that the guy they drafted is going to eventually come on. And to some degree, I mean, I think the rookie tag thing has definitely affected it because, I mean, in most scenarios, Sky Moore would probably just get dropped. Sure. Uh, but if you're Eric, you know, you got to hold on to that possibility. James Cook, he was just looking okay, but if there weren't the rookie tag implications, I think there's a pretty good chance that Barrow would have dropped him. And so there's some of those factors being being uh, taken into account here. But, yeah, I'm a little surprised. I thought waivers would be a little more active. And it just feels like more and more, I guess, I don't have any data to, to prove this, so I don't know for sure. But it does feel like teams are spreading it out a little bit more where you just don't know where the targets are going to go. I mean, how many times have this even just this season has someone picked up a player and said, all right, well, this guy is definitely going to be the target monster for the giants. Cause their receiver, their receiving core fucking sucks. We've seen it already with you know, someone took uh, what's his face. Kadarius Tony early on. And then it's Richie James. Then, Oh, it's Sterling Shepard. And then it's Wandale Robinson. You know, who the hell is it going to be? Maybe it's Darius Slayton next week. He's making some nice catches. And there it's so it's hard to actually do it. It's almost like a whack-a-mole. And I think there's an assumption. I mean, you, mentioned a few receivers like i think people feel like you can go and get those guys especially if you're awake at a weird hour on a wednesday it's like and maybe i'll I'll wait and see and try to pick someone up in free agency uh so i think you've seen that trend as well um it's a little bit weird though especially when you consider some of these guys you know stock their budgets after the draft to theoretically be week in and week out waiver players you have three teams right now with budgets at 110 plus dollars of course you have barra and uh, Melfi at 128 and 139 respectively, just not cutting into that at all. Um, and I understand like both of those guys have more points than me and better teams than me right now, but uh, it's interesting to look at the strategies. I'll just say that Shannon, of course, is also in that mix with $111 in his budget. And he also needs reinforcements in a hurry on that team. Okay. You give him a slight pass his first year in the league, trying to figure some things out. Um, <clears throat> but you know, all three of those guys, high budgets left, you know, and there's a couple other others, uh, you know, in the high eighties. So just as a, as a budget corner. Well, I think the, the league by and large has gotten a little better when it comes to handcuffs. I mean, obviously not fully to that extent because of the whole Kenneth Walker deal uh, with Melfi just dropping him and losing the, the rookie tag eligibility and just sinking one of the elite fucking uh, trade assets in the entire league. Uh, right. As I was praising Melfi too. Yeah, um, it's a real theme. This is a real theme on the on the season at this point, the Kenneth Walker deal. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, you know, and with those handcuffs gone and mostly picked up, 
then there's not really that big fucking target to go spend everything on. So then what, what do you even use all that fab? Well, it's a good, it's a really good indicator of some of the savviness in the league uh, that again, with some exceptions, but that you go into any, you know, here's here are the players you need to pick up on waivers this week article. So many of those guys, it's like, well, he's rostered, he's rostered, he's rostered. You ain't getting them in this league. You got to be more savvy than that. You got to be ahead of the curve. So I, I will give credit to the small pickups. I think this is the strongest season ever for teams in terms of the, you know, just in the shadows kind of making things happen. Um, but we talked about this from the trade stuff last week also. Okay, not maybe huge names on the waivers and also not those flashy trades yet either. So uh, it's been all of that's going hand in hand with down scoring, which you would think would go the opposite. But like you say, I think people, there are a lot of these situations, a lot of players, especially the quarterbacks, with people feeling like, you know what, if I let go of them now in a trade, if I bench them, I'm doing so kind of eh, maybe selling low in a trade on a, on a few of these guys that they expect to pop back up in the second half. Um, I think that's a huge part of what's happening as well. So, and guys are just harder to sell when they're not performing. Of course. Why am I, why am I paying for your underperforming player? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, all right. You mentioned some of these movements. Um, we'll talk about CMC in a second. The Cardinals are making some changes. They've lost Hollywood Brown for the next month plus or so. Robbie Anderson, your boy, after, you know, all the sideline stuff, I, you probably have more of the story there than I do. And you could give some of the context if you want. But um, obviously, you know, the cameras were all over him on sideline and he gets banished from the entire game, uh, if I'm correct on that, right? And, yeah, then, and then he gets sent out West. Uh, obviously, the big story there is also New Hopkins is coming back. So there are changes happening in Arizona. Uh, you know, I, I just looked through some of the Kyler stuff because – you know, maybe I was trying to look into a yeah, potential trade conversation. Maybe there's these chats happening. And, you know, the Kyler thing, I, I just, it, this is one of those guys where wasn't that long ago, we were, we were all talking about similar to how people talk about the NBA right now, where it's like, oh, the league has never been more talented. It was like, man, look at the quarterbacks in the league. Remember these conversations like a year ago, two years ago. Um, and Kyler was always at the heart of those. Fantasy wise, his floor has been fine this year, and that's helped him be, I believe, QB eight on the year, which surprised me that he was that high. It seems like he's been kind of underwhelming, um, but the ceiling has not been there. And he's had the receiver injuries. Uh, the offense in general has looked pretty disgusting week to week. James Conner has been hurt also. What do you think about this Cardinals thing? You think the two receivers coming in can help uh, Kyler? Do you think the offense can get better? Because this is a theme also in some other situations where it's like, you look at the Chargers. That's a team with Herbert and Eckler. Why can the Chargers not move the ball in some of these games? Look at the Rams. It's Cup and, it's Cup and Stafford. You know, we thought that team was a good offense and could move the ball. This is a theme kind of around the league now where it's like, yeah, here's a, a, a shiny individual talent that people are fading on by the day, Kyler Murray. Um, he's had injuries, but the offense overall has looked really bad there in Arizona so far. So... Where are you at just in the overall fantasy situation now that, you know, there are a couple new receivers coming into the fold? I mean, I, I think Kyler, his status probably just remains the same. I was preparing for if Hollywood stayed healthy because I thought Hollywood, um, I mean, obviously I own him or whatever, not own him, uh, but he's on my team or whatever. Like, I thought Hollywood has been fantastic this year. And so yeah. I thought the combination of him and DeAndre Hopkins suddenly you're looking at a truly elite duo 
for them. And that kind of changes things for Arizona. But now I kind of hold Kyler in the same esteem where, I mean, QB8, that sounds about right. He's a fringe QB1, and he's someone that it's really hard to try and trade for him because you get so scared about his injury potential because mm-hmm. the last two years he's got hurt in the middle of the year and he came, you know, he's come back and played when he's been clearly not the same player. And on the flip side of that is that it makes hard to trade him because if you're, if you're the one trading him, he's been awesome all year. Why are you going to sell him below QB one value? And it doesn't help that Russell Wilson has been what he's been, you know, for Shannon's yeah. situation to try, obviously as Deshaun coming in later in the year, but um, yeah, that's a good point on the injury stuff. I mean, it's certainly made me gun shy having those conversations, you know, after the infamous Dak trade. Um, it, it does feel like someone could get him if he stays healthy the rest of the year in a somewhat buy low mode right now. You know, I, I do think you know, in terms of QB rankings, I don't know how much higher up he goes just because I think other guys are going to rise on those rankings as well. But I do think, you know, right now we can just run through it. Uh, as I open up Shannon's roster, like you're talking about a guy that pretty much like clockwork is giving you 15 to 20 fantasy points a game. You know that some of the rushing stuff is still going to happen. Uh, you know that he's he's actually thrown in a couple of these games for a decent amount of yards as well. But the interceptions have been absolutely killers. So uh, your question now when trying to assess him going forward with these receivers is like, you know, how much higher does the upside go? And how much more do those interceptions get cut down with a couple of new guys in the fold? The fact that Hollywood's getting hurt now for the next month with as good as he's been, it's not that promising for a, a surge from Kyler anytime soon, but maybe you could invest on him for, Hey, you know, I'm in the mix. Maybe I'll be in a playoff hunt later in the year. Maybe this is a guy later in the season that could help me out at that point. I don't know. Uh, I've had all of these kind of questions to myself talking with Shannon and ultimately the, the deal hasn't been made because there's just too much doubt there for me. Yeah, I mean, where I'm sitting at with Shannon's team, uh, I think that Kyler, I think any sort of Kyler trade is going to be one where if Shannon's just completely punting on this year where he's saying, all right, you know what, I got Deshaun for a dollar for the next few years moving forward, but I don't have another a second keeper option. I don't have a good rookie tag option. That would make sense to me if I'm Shannon to move Kyler. Otherwise, I mean, what is, you're going to have – uh, you're going to trade away Kyler when Brett Rippon is starting for the Broncos and he's your other quarterback, or you can put out PJ Walker as your second quarterback. I mean, if he, if he's trading Kyler, he's just punting on the season, essentially. Well, it, it, it would have to, it would have to significantly improve his running backs, right? It's the only way, but again, it's kind of like, we've seen these trades. I've been involved in these trades before in the league too, where it's like you get, the, these trades happen a lot where it's like you you are willing to get weaker at one position to get stronger at another. And it ends up being a, a kind of a pure wash, right? Where it's like, you know, okay, suddenly, yes, you got a playable running back, but now your quarterback situation is as bad as Taylor's, right? Like these are the kinds of things that happen a lot in trades where the puzzle math doesn't really add up, which is, I, I think part of what's happening too is just some randomness of like, you know, once these conversations happen, people are like, well, I need these two phases of my team. You need those two phases and the puzzle doesn't add up square peg, round hole, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think Shannon, it would only make sense there because his receivers are fine. Uh, he has the worst running back situation in the league. 
you know, he would have to get a staple running back in return. But anyone who's giving that up, unless you're, you know, there are a couple of solid running back situations in the league, but I'm not one of them, right? Like I can't, I have one of the great anchors you could have and then trying to figure things out week to week. Um, <clears throat> so I not trade an Eckler. So I don't have the backs to make that deal happen. Ultimately, that's just a peek behind the curtain. But um, anyway, that's Arizona. Another Carolina Panther related move reports out this week. Again, you're more in the weeds on this read, so I'll let you take charge. Christian McCaffrey has been a part of your uh, weekly, you know, schedule in the fall for years now. Looks like uh, it might be coming to an end there in the Queen City, one of the two Queen Cities in America. Few teams being thrown around. You want to just give us kind of some of the context. Obviously, the Panthers at this point are all in on that top pick, it seems like. Uh, you know, give us give us what's happening right now. Well, if you saw the game plan against the Rams, you would definitely agree that they are all in, all going for the first overall pick. And I got to say, I'm loving it. It's the most confident I felt in the team direction in years because of that. Uh, and you mentioned McCaffrey. I mean, the thing is, is that he can't really be part of the weekly schedule because he's out for the season midway through both years. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I, I think with him, it just makes sense to move, to get out. I mean, I don't know that he's going for – I mean, people try to say that, like, the report is multiple firsts. That's not true. Uh, the Panthers are looking for a first and additional compensation on top of that. So maybe you're lo- talking about maybe a first and a third. I don't know that they're going to be getting that, but maybe a second and a third like Von Miller got. I mean, that's not crazy, I don't think. Maybe just a single first if it's Philadelphia who has the extra pick from Miami. Okay, that could make some sense. Or no, sorry, it's the extra pick from uh, New Orleans. But, you know, that that could be a really nice pick, and then they just give up their other first round for McCaffrey. I think that could make some sense. In a, from a fantasy perspective, because I'll just outline some of the teams that you've thrown down here as far as, you know, where McCaffrey could finish this season, okay? Panthers, Bills, Eagles, 49ers, Rams. <clears throat> now... An interesting mix of teams. Obviously, these are, other than the Panthers, uh, competitors, teams that are very much in win-now mode. Um, I guess the Niners would be kind of an exception to that, depending on on how you view their priorities with the Lance thing going forward. But, you know, Rams, when you look at those contracts, Eagles with the record and the starts of the season, and Bills right in the midst of, you know, trying to finally get over the Super Bowl hump, uh, all three of those teams are very much in win-now mode. In terms of CMC's fantasy value, Reed, um, because the thing in Carolina, like you and I were texting in the first half of that game, that last game, I know it slowed down in the second half, but it was what, 20 touches in the first half? It was like the amount, there was like a 10 minute period where it was just McCaffrey, 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 McCaffrey. He had like four catches, I think on the same drive. Uh, yeah, the I mean, it was just all him. Up. Yeah, it was all McCaffrey. Um, so my, my instinct will say, well, if he does stay with the Panthers, at least you're getting that volume. Of course, that volume might mean an injury along with it. So there's that aspect too. How do you see it in, in terms of fantasy? Cause it, to me, it's like Panthers volume and some of these other offenses upside for McCaffrey going forward. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like maybe the Rams, you'd get a similar level of volume because their right. whole offense is just Cooper cup. So now it can be just Cooper cup and just Christian McCaffrey. Maybe because otherwise, yeah, I mean, I I just don't see with the Bills or with the Eagles too many different options, 49ers too many options. Um, 
so the volume just not going to be there. I would say, though, that trade-off is probably worth it if there, if he's going to Buffalo or Philadelphia just because you would think he'd still get good volume. Not like 90% of the snaps or whatever, but if he's at like 60, 65%, 70% of the snaps for Philly or Buffalo's offense, I'd still probably take that over 90% of the Panthers' offense because just the collateral touchdowns are going to be way more. And so you're going to get some true, true spike weeks out of him. God, please, please do not go to Buffalo. It's all I've got in the in the season is the is the Diggs train. Like I understand any of those offenses would be even, you know, even Buffalo's would be even more improved with him as a part of it. And you want the chains to be moving, you want red zone touches, you want all that stuff for your guys, but don't go to Buffalo. Don't go to Buffalo. The offense is already fine. I don't need stuff taken away from Diggs, please. That's just my personal, my personal gripe. Um, I think in the Eagles, you know, the way they run hurts, uh, would probably actually be a pretty efficient, healthy kind of balanced way to, to use him, which is not something he's known really like ever in his career, as you know, it'd be like um, him in his first year when Cam was healthy. Yeah, there you go. It would be, it would be similar to that. Um, Rams, obviously, you know, the, I, I continue to just look at terrible Rams numbers every week, as we've said, second. I guess last week when we were on the show, they were the lowest rushing yards in the league. They're now the second lowest. But I, you know, even as a Daryl Henderson owner, you look at the yards per carry stuff with him and everything. I understand right now, if you look at any fantasy advice, it's going to say, yeah, Daryl Henderson might be the starter in the Rams. It doesn't feel like they're confident with that approach. Uh, It feels like they are very much, whether it's McCaffrey or some other plan, very much trying to move on from both Akers and Henderson. I know Henderson scored a touchdown last week and got all of that volume, but could definitely see them screwing that up uh, with McCaffrey coming in. And why not, considering how kind of slow tumbling down the uh, down the field their offense has been. So uh, that would make sense, I think, from from some perspective. The 49ers, just you know, the amount of Niners running backs that get injured already there. I think there's a enough kind of double voodoo with the McCaffrey injury history and that, but you know, it's a, it's a slightly different way to use him. Of course, if you involve him in that system. Uh, so yeah, those are the, those are the five teams. I don't know if we're missing anyone read on that list. Uh, I mean, I just put the teams that I, I heard were rumored, maybe someone yeah. else emerges, but uh, I mean, you talk about San Francisco. I think what would happen if he got traded to San Francisco is they would give up a first round pick for him and then immediately bench him for some guy they picked up off the scrap heap. Exactly. Exactly. It's exactly um, right. And then you got to do the committee, figuring out the committee every single week as a San Francisco uh, owner. Top 10 quarterback finishes. We're looking at some short sample sizes here. You know, uh, we talked at the top of the show. We talked last week as well. You know, quarterbacks have not been meeting their projections. A lot of these guys have been down. There's a lot of schedule math, a lot of roster math, a lot of figuring out, well, who is going to be the guy who actually gets to the level that was expected or surpasses it in the second half of the season. Last couple of weeks, we've seen some of this stuff inching forward. We saw Brady, you know, a few weeks ago, finally start airing out the ball, and then he looked terrible again in Pittsburgh. So trying to figure out the Brady thing. The other quarterback, though, for your brother, Joe Burrow, is one of the guys in this conversation, um, <clears throat> you know, definitely picking a, it up here in recent weeks. There's this assumption that Jamar Chase 
also in line with their brother's team is going to go off for, you know, seven or eight games, going to do that thing now. And that last week was the start of it. Um, I feel pretty good that the Burrow thing is is not a blip and we will see some version of the Burrow that we expect the rest of the year. How do you feel about that, Reed? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I don't think he's going to be QB1 every week like he was in week six, but realistically speaking, I mean, I'm not sure there are five quarterbacks I've taken over him for the rest of the year. I just feel really solid about him with the, that receiving core and just, you know, he's going to get it done. The upside is absolutely there with him, uh, especially compared to some of these other guys, I would say, on the list. All right, interesting name thrown out here. My boy, Matty Ice, Matt Ryan here, who, by the way, Reed, uh, are, you're aware that he is second in the NFL in passing yards this season. Is that something you were aware of? I was not, but I'm not surprised. Which, you know, you tune in before these last, certainly before this last game, uh, you tune into a lot of Matt Ryan drives this season, and he's looked like one of the worst players in the league. Certainly one of the worst regular starters in the league, but he goes on these drives. He still has an occasional deep ball, which was a huge doubt of mine coming into the year. You know, you've outlined the numbers in week six, 58 attempts went for nearly 400. That feels a lot more like the Matt Ryan that we saw in his prime and with the Falcons. Um, I think him getting the Pittman thing back, it's not as great for my Alec Pierce part of this, but I still like how Pierce is involved with that offense. Um, and then, of course, Paris got really involved there in week six as well. Uh, look, the good thing about fantasy with a guy like Matt Ryan is you don't actually have to be good in fantasy. Sometimes volume's all that matters. So maybe there's enough yards there that he becomes a very playable fantasy option for the rest of the year. Bear has been trotting him out there and it's worked out for him. Uh, is that how you view Matt Ryan right now? Like, I still feel like the turnover stuff is very frightening. Uh, there are still some drives where he can't throw the ball 15 yards suddenly. And it's like, what is happening here? Um, I, I think I get fooled. People have done this his entire career, getting fooled on the ugly eye test, Matt Ryan stuff, and then coming back to the numbers and saying, ah, actually not too bad. Where are you at with Matty? Well, I thought that earlier in the year, there was, especially after that Jacksonville game, um, what do you call it? There, it felt like maybe he was straight up like unplayable unless like you had to, because Sometimes in this league, you have to play a third quarterback, but his volume is to the point now. I think he's gotten good enough where, you know, I think he could be potentially be like a, a decent QB too, because like you look at what happened with the Colts. They just kind of said, we're not fucking running the ball. This yeah. offensive line is hot garbage. We cannot get any holes for anyone. I mean, you look at some of those Jonathan Taylor numbers. They had some games. It was like 23 carries 57 yards, which is just, we know that's not a Jonathan Taylor. And so, I mean, this game, check it down to Deion Jackson. He gets the ball out, at, you know, two seconds or less. If he's not taking those sacks, as long as it's not like a pick six, you can afford a couple interceptions as long as he's not doing two interceptions and six sacks. Sure. The sacks with him, man, have always been killer. Always absolutely terrible sack quarterback. And, you know, it's only been recently that we've started to look at that as a, a true QB stat, right? So hopefully yeah. uh, we're, we're going to have a, a time whenever it is a couple of years, whenever he hangs it up, you know, people are going to have to grapple with this dude being like fifth all time and passing yards, dealing with all the counting stats, and then also being so inconsistent. And at times literally dog shit. 
in the last three years, really the last two or three years, I would say, of his career. And we'll see how many more he gives out there. So very weird career, very weird guy in terms of the public opinion. I've been at the heart of it the entire time. But from a fantasy perspective, I think especially because Pittman looked underwhelming at times, getting him going with a rookie who I really like in Alec Pierce, I think is a, a nice kind of combination of safety blankets for Ryan, which has been a huge part of how he succeeded throughout his career. Uh, the Jonathan Taylor thing, I don't know if you're in, like, if you think it's better or worse that they get Jonathan Taylor back to like the JT that we've seen fully healthy and doing the Jonathan Taylor stuff just to get them down the field, or if that takes his, you know, volume too low. Uh, no, well, cause I, like I said before, I don't think they're going to be running it. I think they're just going to be throwing it. And so a little dump off screens to Jonathan Taylor, that sounds good to me. I mean, what, what, what's more likely Matt Ryan throws a 60 yard bomb or he throws a check down that Jonathan Taylor takes 60 yards to the house. Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. That's a good way to put it. Couple other players just to look at here in terms of the, is this a mirage or are they actually legit? Let's talk Marcus Mariota who, you know, you want to talk about a dude who doesn't air it downfield. 14 completions or less in four straight games. Uh, obviously, you know, the con- the conversation coming into this year was all about, you know, kind of maybe less if, more when Desmond Ritter. Uh, but, hey, this team is three and three in a division that might not be that good in, in a league that might allow some eight and nine win teams into the playoffs. And so now the conversations for the Falcons are tricky where it's like, you know, do we throw a kid out there? Does he give us more upside than Mariota is right now? The deal with Mariota right now is keeping plays alive with his feet, you know, screwing over fantasy owners with Pitts and Drake London and being a part of this just run assault that the Falcons have been doing this year and riding it to three wins. And really, when you look at the Falcon games this year, I know NFL games are all pretty much all close, but Falcons could totally totally be four and two or five and one right now it's not out of the conversation at all and even three and three is completely insane for a team that should have won three games all year so that's the Mariota part of this um I I think in terms of you know legit or mirage I'm not sure either of those describe Marcus right now it's it's a hard player to figure out because he is giving the Falcons chances to win these games you know he's keeping them in it he made bad mistakes late early in the season, but he's limiting those a little bit more. Uh, he's working in Arthur's system pretty well. And so it's tricky when you think, obviously, Marcus Mariota is not the future face of the Falcons quarterbacking. And obviously, you drafted Desmond Ritter for a reason. Uh, but when does that happen? I'm not as convinced, Reed, at this point that it is necessarily as much of a kind of when versus if conversation as it was before the year. Before the season, I saw the schedule where the Falcons are entering a pretty nice stretch of schedule here pretty soon. And I saw this as when, you know, it'll probably be Ritter time. Maybe the Falcons were two and four through the first six with a couple of close losses. Maybe you had some positives from Mariota. The problem now is when you're tied for a division lead, these these decisions become a lot diff- more difficult. And, you know, I say this as a Falcons fan and as a Desmond Ritter owner on my fantasy bench. I really don't know how to assess this the rest of the way, Reed. I think from a fantasy perspective, anyone who can get it done on the ground, as Marcus has done, is is worth putting out there for some of these teams in the league, mine included, week in and week out. If I had him, he'd be starting. Um, So I don't know. I don't know where you're at on Marcus from a fantasy perspective. 
I'm kind of all over the place in terms of the Falcons quarterback deal. I mean, I think that he, his rushing, he runs so much that it's hard for him not to be playable. Like, I think at minimum, he's a QB two every single week. Uh, I, I don't quite think that he, like he runs a good bit, but he does not run like a lot, a lot, unfortunately. So I don't think that he's ever going to be like elite QB one type, but maybe like on weeks like this, maybe he'll stumble and get like a rushing touchdown or something. The question for me, I, I think like the interesting thing from that is, I mean, if we're comparing Mariota to Desmond Ritter, I mean, where do you think that Mariota is right now? Because you like I watched every Falcons game to some degree, but definitely not like locked in like you are. Where do you think that Mariota ranks among the league, like just general sense or whatever, as like just a pure passer? Because Desmond Ritter can certainly, I think watching Desmond Ritter, he could probably be about 80% of Marcus Mariota in terms of a runner. Like you could still do some of that design run action, but clearly you're going to have to cut out some of it. If you move to Ritter, do you think that Mariota, like, is Mariota a like, league average passer right now? Is he worse? I would not, say worse. I would okay, say he's, worse. He's yeah. not Baker Mayfield level, obviously, but <clears throat> how much better is, like, is he better than Danny Dimes as a passer? So has he been better? Probably. Is he better? No. Does that make sense? Like, I, I think yeah. overall, I still, anytime he's throwing the foot, so, Arthur has has outlined this thing where it's like he looks at his feet a lot, right? And anytime he's spreading out the legs, his passing has been significantly better. Like there's numbers backing this up when he closes the legs up, not to make this sexual, but it gets a lot worse. Um, I have seen very few throws this year that make me believe the Mariota situation is good for Drake London or Kyle Pitts. Um, I know the pits thing is a lot more to do with not even being out there for enough snaps, not being targeted enough. Um, It seems a little odd that you would build the team with this twin tower set up and not give a better passer the go at some point. Okay. The problem with that is once you make that decision, you know, there's a lot of baggage to that. Can you, can you go back? Can you do the office Michael Scott snip, snip, snap, snap, vasectomy reversal thing? Like it becomes trickier. This is what Tomlin was trying to touch on earlier with granted a different quarterback situation in Pittsburgh, but you know, that was maybe one of his worries earlier in the year. Maybe it's working out now, but well, I mean, um, that's uh I mean, yeah. you talk about it, that's something that happened with Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick, where that year the Dolphins weren't really expecting to be all that good, but then they started off pretty hot with Fitzpatrick and then it seems like pretty clear that there was like a directive from up above that that Flores had to go to Tua when he did not like Tua. And so they kept jerking him back and forth. And that really fucked with Tua's confidence. Like he said afterward, like after Flores was gone, he's like, yeah, you know what? It's kind of nice to have a coach that believes in me. And, you know, that's the same thing. If you put Ritter in, you can't take him back out of them. You got to let yeah. him ha- take his lumps. Which again is fine if wins and losses don't matter, which I'm still on on board with wins and losses not mattering this year for the Falcons. I think there's a lot of positives for how you could build this team for next season and beyond. Um, <clears throat> however, you know, that's a lot easier said than done. This team is very frisky. 
the fact that this team picked up another win without Patterson uh, is kind of crazy. Not that the Niners are world beaters, but you know, you're tied for a division lead, right? Like you have to, as, as the people involved in the day-to-day decisions, you have to pursue those wins at this point. So, you know, are the Falcons going to get themselves back in purgatory? Probably. So congratulations to you on actually figuring this whole, uh, this whole tanking thing out, Reed, with the Panthers. Well, that's the thing too, is that like, to me, I, to me, it's not about needing to tank. To me, it's about, you have to find out if Ritter is the guy or if not, because we, we know Mariota is not the, the guy to take you over the top. But if you know for a fact that Ritter could be, then maybe next year you let him get a chance. If you put Ritter out there and you're like, oh, this is a little, ugh, then you know that maybe you need to trade up for a Bryce Young or for um, a Will Levis, or maybe you're saying, you know, we'll, we'll stay where we are. We'll take Hendon Hooker. You know, I don't know how that goes. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting that- with, the, with the Falcons because increasingly, like position by position, there's still a lot that needs to be fixed defensively, but offensive line looking like it's going to be pretty good for the next couple of years. Um, you know, they're obviously all the skill position playmakers we're talking about. Falcons are building something, but in this league, you know, you have to then make the decisions. Like, do you go all in on a kid? Do you try to figure it out that way? Or do you think, Hey, you know what? Maybe enough of these positions, especially with the money and the contracts and everything, maybe everything is okay. Right now you have stars like Drake London and Kyle Pitts that you're not having to pay a ton right now. Maybe it actually makes sense to go into the market and trade for, you know, someone who is, let's say, a tier higher than Mariota to try to go in that way. You've seen teams like Tennessee, you know, try to try to do things like this. So a lot of questions for the Falcons as far as the fantasy perspective for Mariota. Uh, I would say the team that makes the most sense to own him right now would be mine since I'm a Desmond Ritter owner. Um, the problem is, you know, Daniel... He's, his team is as deep as it could possibly be, but, you know, probably wants a little bit of bench protection in terms of the quarterback thing, unless he's getting one back uh, on one of those deals if he's going to send out Mariota. So uh, that's where he's at. I, again, I don't think we've we've cracked the code on whether he's a, uh, you know, whether it's a mirage or legit. I continue to say neither. I think he's playable in fantasy, but you'd obviously like a little bit more in the passing game. All right, let's move on. Justin Fields, similar situation obviously the difference here is we kind of know who marcus is based on a pretty big body of work in the nfl fields there continue to be these real believers and they're paying off a little bit more here in recent weeks you look at week six season high 27 passing attempts top 20 passing attempts in three straight weeks which for most players in this league would not be anything to brag about for that offense and justin fields it is a massive accomplishment and a sign that things are maybe moving in the right direction. I've seen this a little bit uh, as a Darnell Mooney owner, seeing the Mooney targets go way up and seeing some of that positivity get a little bit better here over the last two or three games. Where are you at on fields? I know we did a little bit of a fields corner last week with the biggest fields believer in the entire league, Justin Squared, a.k.a. Eric. Well, I'd say Uh, biggest in the world. The world. We're giving him world. All right. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State and uh, a Bears guy, I mean, that's the most combination. As it pertains to Fields, I mean, I think the last few weeks have me pretty fucking excited, to be honest with you. Because wow, going all in. All right, let's go. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that he's going to be like... The problem with him is that he's got so many like down weeks still, where like you know he's going to have a week where he has like six sacks and then like a pick six, and he, he loses a fumble, and it's going to be really bad. 
but his highs are so high. And the thing is, like the last two weeks, you know, the la- like the last two weeks, he could have had a lot of touchdowns that were dropped. You know, he had two of them that were dropped at the end uh, against Washington. That would have been the game winners. And then against Minnesota, he had like a 40 plus yard game winning scramble touchdown that was taken back because of a bad block in the back penalty. I mean, what the penalty was a good call, but like it was a bad on the player who did it. And he's, he's subsequently been cut uh, Smith Marset. You add that. I mean, you're telling me that you have someone who has the potential for 40 plus yard rushing touchdowns combined with the fact that he, he is going to take those deep shots. There are going to be some weeks when fields is a top five quarterback in the league. And I think those are, those are going to come consistently over the next, over the next uh, rest of the season. So I'm pretty excited about him, honestly, these, from a fantasy first, perspective. Yeah. Well, these run first QBs can kind of sneak up on us. Like I feel like there was, you know, once upon a time, it didn't, feel like Jalen Hurts would be at this at this point, right? There were still debates about whether or not even he'd even be the starter in Philly. So, you know, the one thing you can predict from a fantasy quarterback perspective is the rushing stuff. It's always been the case. Um, <clears throat> now, if you're throwing 80 passing yards a game, you know, that gets negated pretty quickly. Uh, you just look at some of these numbers, 572 passing yards the last three games after less than 300 in the first three combined. So it's just been a completely different world here in the second half of, of his young season so far. Um, I would, I would lean to agree with you, Reed. I I think from a fantasy perspective, uh, it is, I would say just about here to stay. If there's any proof of that, just look at what Eric's saying in the discord. He's ready to move Herbert. You know, he's ready to, he's ready to anchor Jay field. So that's a part of this as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not going to be Justice Squared anymore. I don't know what the, I don't know what you call it, but you know, it's that little special thing that you put over it to remove the exponent. To remove the, that's, that might be a, above my pay grade for my college algebra failings at the university of Missouri, but uh, <clears throat> the symbol to eliminate the exponent is what Justin, Justin to the one, to the power of one. So what it's okay, going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we have we had one more, right? Or is that that's no, our that corner? All right, that's that's what we got for the mirages. That means it is time. I'm bringing sound effects. This is not in post. The Bachelor trade Bachelor's back. I don't even know if that's like the actual Bachelor theme song or not. It just sounds like some dude playing piano. So I have no idea. What we're yeah, uh, <clears throat> Bachelor trade. Sorry, Trade Bachelor. I can't get the name done. Uh, Fake Trade Bachelor. There it is. Fake Trade Bachelor is back. I am happy to be uh, involved as one of the hypotheticals this week, Reed. And let's get into it. I guess I'll be Taylor, or you want to do flip reverse roles here? I think it makes sense for you to negotiate on your own behalf. All right, I'll be me. And in this case, you are going to be Barra. And in this trade potentially switching out some running backs and receivers. Of course, my team as currently assembled, you have Diggs, who is the top non-quarterback fantasy player in all of fantasy. Um, you have CD lamb, who is a very strong wide receiver too, who could be arguably a fringe wide receiver one with that coming back and could be right there on that line averages about eight targets uh, a game when paired up with Dak over the 21 games that they played together, pretty high volume there, a lot of reliability. So Barra, I think you could kind of 
improve your receiving core, go all in. What do you think about CD? Do you think CD is someone that could interest you if I could maybe get one of your uh, coveted running backs in return? Yeah, CD Lamb is someone that would be extremely interesting to me. He's not as good as my guy Cooper Cup. Ever heard of them? Uh, <laughs> but he is someone that would Dak back. I'm really high on, and I think in fact he's looked great the last month with Cooper Rush even. And the problem of not a lot of receivers to throw to is still going to be there, but a better guy throwing. So, yeah, I mean, I think with CD, we would have the best receiving core in the league. I really, you know, Eckler's great. Uh, I believe he's like 10th or 11th in overall fantasy. Has a shot to be RB1 at the end of the year. He's right behind Chubb right now. I like him as an anchor. I'm not in love with the rest of my running back core. I'd like to make it a little bit more complete. Is there any way a CD deal could also involve Joe Mixon? Could it? Yeah, it could. Uh, but you've seen my running backs outside of that. I I don't mind going zero RB, but I still got to have actual bodies to put in there. Um, you know, I, I mean, Joe Mixon's a really, really high talent guy. Uh, I mean, you know, you look at his expected fantasy points, he's underperforming, so he's just going to keep going up. Um, you know, Najee hasn't been awesome this year, but he is giving me some good volume. Could maybe we do Najee and CD for Joe Mixon? Mm, interesting. Well, I like, I, I, you know, your head is in an interesting place, Barra, because, <clears throat> you know, Najee was... I believe a top four player in all of fantasy last year um, was absolutely dominant. I go out and get him. And this year he's been, you know, kind of right there on the fringe flex line, made the decision to bench him last week and he still pops up, still very involved. Uh, and I would also argue that that Steelers offense might get a little bit better incrementally as the season goes on, as it moves the ball down the field. So I, I can understand you wanting Najee. I'm a little bit kind of off the scent on him also since I've had to eat his bad games. Maybe you get the good games as he bounces up and you're buying low on him. I think that makes sense for both sides. I'm just not in love with a two-for-one kind of mix, probably like someone else in return. What if, to also help your running back depth, I threw in Michael Carter. You know, he's still involved in that offense. He's catching balls. It's not Brees Hall, but it might not matter. It might not matter. There's enough skill position players involved in what could actually be a good Jets offense. Maybe Carter is still playable. It maybe makes sense to add to your depth as a third player that I send over. And maybe I can really, uh, you know, because I'm losing CD. Obviously, I have a great anchor at receiver. Drops off significantly, though, from losing CD Lamb. That receiving core looks a lot better with two stars as opposed to one. What about a little boom potential bringing Devonta Smith back into the mix? Where are you at on Devonta right now? Well, you know I'm high on Devonta Smith because I watched him score. Uh, I watched him score almost 50 points against Washington in a game that I was watching because it was on cable. So I did watch it, and that is impressed into my mind. So it would be pretty difficult to do that. Um, but I, I do think that it would be worth it to be able to get that. So yes, I, I could be interested, uh, in sending at sending back Devonta. 
hear me out. <clears throat> I eat Devonta's bye week because his bye is this week. But we make this just a clean three for three. You can afford to lose Jacoby Myers. It's been a little bit underwhelming at times. I'm giving you arguably the highest upside player in the deal. You could argue that for Mixon. could argue it for CD as well. But how about we just, you know, make this a nice, solid three for three, and you send Jacoby back my way as well. Well, I feel confident doing that because Michael Thomas will be coming back soon, and Michael Thomas is the best receiver in the league besides Cooper Cup. So I still feel confident that uh, I will have the best receiving core because I, then I'll have C.D. Lamb, Cooper Cup, Michael Thomas, and my USC boy Michael Pittman to throw into flex, and then who's fucking with us? That's and right, if, no one. So and we're if Najee, if Najee is anything close to last year at any point, that ends up being a steal for you, right? Like that is a part of this that I think you should really be excited about as well. Meanwhile, for me, okay, I've still got issues at quarterback, but I still feel great about receiver because I've got that superstar anchor with a couple of very playable wide receiver twos and threes. And in the process, I finally get a balanced running back core, which figuring out RB2 has been a real problem for me all year. So I think this is balanced. Send it over. Let's do it. All right. Next fake trade bachelor proposal also involves Barra, and it's also going to involve Eric. You want me to take the Barra side this time? Yeah, if you want. All right. I am Barra. <laughs> That's me. And it is time for a trade offer. This would be probably the first offer I've ever sent over uh, in this in this league in a formal way. But I'm going to do it here right off the bat. Eric, I love you. I love that you're struggling right now. I think it makes sense for you to make a move. You've been active in the Discord saying that you need to make a move for people to call you, to text you, to AIM you. Well, I'm doing that all right now. Let's talk trades. You know, Joe Mixon, one of the best running backs in the league. Michael Pittman, suddenly looking like Pittman of old as well, looking like a safety blanket for Matt Ryan. Was awesome last game. Could be a really, really, really good receiver for you and a team that, by the way, desperately needs to improve there with a lot of different kind of let's try it plays for you every week. This is not a let's try a play. You can believe in the consistency of Michael Pittman. You can believe in the consistency of Joe Mixon. So what's the catch? Well, how about you send over Saquon Barkley? It feels like you could maybe sell high on him right now. Um, <clears throat> this is a player who, of course, has had injury issues in the past and has been one of the top running backs in all of fantasy this year. I want to get myself a little bit better of an anchor at running back. I'm willing to lose Mixon and you get Pittman. So it seems like a pretty good two for one for you, Eric. I do think that this is something that we can be, that we can work with for sure. I mean, I'm looking at it from your perspective. If you get Saquon, Saquon's been by far the best running back in fantasy so far this year. And there's no reason to think that won't continue and maybe even go up as Danny Dimes gets more comfortable in this Brian Dayball offense. Um, and if I send you Saquon, well, then you have a case to have the best wide receiver, the best tight end, and the best running back in fantasy with Cooper Cup, Saquon Barkley, and Travis Kelsey. 
So I can understand why you'd be coming and pursuing that. And I understand, you know, even with Joe Mixon, I would have an awesome running back core with Joe Mixon, David Montgomery, Dalvin Cook. That'd be awesome. Michael Pittman definitely makes my wide receiving core better. But to trade away Saquon, to give you that team, probably going to need about 50 fab. Whoa. Well, I, I the thing is, I value my fab so much because I'm a big waiver player because I'm Barra. So it's tough. It's tough. 50 is a big number. Um, I, I don't mind fab for, you know, smoothing over deals and making it happen. 50 is a huge number. Uh, I know you're looking at my budget right now. That's because I've been responsible and saved up my money. That's why I have the budget like that. So let's not talk percentages. Let's just talk the, the money itself. Um, I think even considering your fab situation, even 25 fab would be extremely helpful for you. You're again, getting more players back at a similar tier. I would also push back a little bit. You said Barkley's the best player in all of fantasy. Not as good as Eckler has been who's of course owned by the most handsome guy in the league, Taylor. So I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there. I did not hear that. I thought I was the handsomest in the league. That's why I'm the only one in the league with a wife. <laughs> Let's go. Wife drop, wife drop. Let's go. All right. You win. You win on the wife front. Yeah, um, <laughs> I can. All right. Well, if you call it 30 fab, I'll, we'll put it in. Oof. It's tough. Stuff. As I say, I'm a I'm someone who really values the fab, but sure, make it happen, send it over. Let's do it. All right. Fake trade bachelor continues with one other fake scenario. It's Nick and Melfi balancing out each other's holes, parentheses, non-sexually, or is it? Let you be the judge, listener. I will be who do you want to be, Reed? I'll give you the choice. Uh I'll be Nick. I have more experience with Nick, and you're you're probably more equipped to be Melfi. All right. All right. Start us off. Melfi, I noticed that you do not have a second running back this week because Miles Sanders is on bye and James Conner is out. So you need a second running back. Lucky for you, I have a surplus of good running backs. You know, I, I got JT, I got DeAndre Swift. They also got my guy, Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, who's been pretty awesome for the Cowboys. I was thinking maybe I send him your way and you send me a couple of good receivers. You know, I was thinking maybe you send me DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. So I'm not in love with, uh, you know, having kind of eaten the the non-games from, from D-Hop uh, this year and then trading him right as he's ready to come back. It's usually not how I do business because I'm a savvy GM. My name's Melfi. Uh, how about I like I like the parameters of this. Um, you know the, the the issue with Zeke, of course, the worry is the injury stuff. You could argue that with a lot of running backs. What do you think? I mean, you're you're someone who's probably watched a, a good amount of this Cowboys offense as a Zeke owner. Um, you know, I'm obviously a DAC owner, so I guess I should know this as well. But what do you think going forward? Because, you know, of course, part of this is having Zeke and DAC on the same roster. But do you think that's helpful for both parties or do they cancel each other out a little bit? Well, I think there's going to be more scoring opportunities. And I think Zeke is going to be the beneficiary of that. A lot more carries at the goal line. I mean, I'm look, I'm hesitant to make this move. Uh, 
realistically speaking, I would much rather come through with Raheem Mostert and use him to make the deal. Uh, but I want to be respectful. You know, I want to be respectful to you. You know, I, I know you're giving up some good players. That's why I'm coming through with Zeke. It's not because I don't like him. It's because I know that I need to send someone good. Where are you at on Brandon Cooks? I understand uh, the last couple of games fantasy-wise haven't been great. You're still talking about the lead target man in that offense, at least the lead wide receiver target man. Maybe Reed's boy Damian Pierce is cutting into that some, but, uh, you know, double-digit targets a couple of times. He's had seven-plus catches a couple of times. The touchdowns aren't totally there because it's Houston, but this is a guy who you know he's going to get the volume and you're getting him alongside Juju for an injury-prone player. Yes, he's a running back, so the value gets a little inflated there. What do you think? Brand, uh, Cooks and Juju for Ezekiel Elliott. I really want a nuke, but I can I can settle for this. Brandon Cooks is going to be a target monster in Houston, or maybe he gets traded to an offense Ooh. where he gets even sexier volume. So I'm willing to take it. My I got to improve my wide receivers. Let's call it in. Call it in. Send it over. All right. That is Fake Bachelor. Fake Bachelor in the books. Uh, If you're listening, by the way, let us know in the Discord which of those three you want to give the rose to. Last week, we had a special guest. Eric himself came on and gave the rose. Also, if you want to come on some week, you know, I I understand maybe people can't give two hours or whatever for a podcast. I'm always going to offer up as well. Come on the Rose segment. Give the Rose. Stay on the rest of the show. If that's all you can give us, we'd love to hear from you as well. Okay. So putting that out there, let us know in Discord which trade you like. Maybe, maybe one of these trades will actually happen in real life. Who knows? I got to say. All right. Zoom clock is up against us. We're going to go as quickly as we can to pick the matchups. Starting off, I'll do mine first. Get it out of the way. Ben's walking boots against Falcoholics Anonymous. Uh, this is a game where, you know, I, I am still waiting on a couple of practice reports and a couple different things to try to get the kicker and defense figured out and get those drops or potential rental situations figured out. So the projection isn't totally there yet. Having said that, he'll still be projected to win this one. I'm obviously coming into uh, a week without my best player. This is where having a very lopsided roster especially comes to hurt when you lose one of your two or three anchors to a bye week. That's what's happening to me this week. No digs, huge loss for me. The tight end situation, I think, is completely up in flux as well. And, uh, you know, some wide receiver three considerations as well in the Mooney-Alec Pierce kind of debate as those things continue. On the other side, Ben's walking boots. Uh, He gets both of his quarterbacks in, Lamar and Carr. You know, the Jonathan Taylor thing, we'll see. Looks like he's going to slot him back in. And, of course, one of the only playable tight ends this year, Goddard, he gets on a bye week. He's projected to win Reed even when you plug in the numbers. Um, it'll probably be like, I don't know, in the in the 180s to in the 160s is probably where these projections will end up, uh, barring some kind of a massive trade or something. So where are you at on this one? Well, also, he, uh, I mean, Nick's going to be able to bring back in DeAndre Swift this week, uh, which beefs up his lineup even more. I actually think that, I actually think that you're in a pretty good position overall. I mean, the problem for me, I think, is just the fact that you're starting Davis Mills is going to be a big bummer where I just think his he's going to really outscore you at the quarterback. 
Uh, pretty good matchups with Lamar and Derek Carr going up against the Browns and the Texans. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not loving that uh, in terms of that. What you, I mean, for you, the hope has to be Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, has a pretty quiet day against that Cowboys defense. And then you have to hope that it's a big day for CeeDee Lamb over Michael Gallup. Just just a quick uh, Thursday night football watch. Just saw that forty five yard. You know, Ron, let's go, baby. I, I was trying to alert you when it happened, but you were you were on a fucking roll. <laughs> let's go. Love that. Love that. Um, yeah, I you know you look at his team. It's like the receivers do look like a problem. Um, Amon Ra, we were all salivating on earlier in the year, and then he got hurt. And even with the injury, he's still a top 25 receiver, which just goes to show like what he was doing in those first couple of games. But outside of that, he's the only receiver that he has in the top 25. So, you know, not great there. We talk about receiver being the position that is easiest to plug in, but still a bit of a problem there. We also talked earlier in the year about this being, you know, the running back situation that could afford a swift injury, especially handcuffed with Jamal Williams and could afford Jonathan Taylor issues. Ain't going to afford the Cam Akers thing. The problem is having all of those things happen at the same time has not been ideal for him. So a little bit unlucky that I'm on the other end of the, you know, Amon, Ra, and JT both getting healthy at the same time, especially in the same week that I don't have Stephon Diggs. You know, I, I, I don't think it's an unwinnable matchup, though, for me. I'm going to give myself some karma and pick myself to win this one. My first self-pick, I'm winning this one against the Boots. I don't care that I'm going up with Davis Mills. Because, spoiler alert, that might not be one of the two quarterbacks that I'm playing this week. So just throwing that out there as a couple of trade conversations are happening as a a little bit of a tease. Stay tuned to the uh, Discord to find out if and when something like that happens. You're going the boots, but maybe a little closer than the computers. I'm going myself in this one, because if you can't believe in yourself, who else is going to do it? Keep moving along. We are terrible on time. We'll just pick these quickly. Reed, you want to do that? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Justin Squared against the Dennis system. Loser leaves town, potentially. Uh, You know, these are two teams in terms of the points totals are worse than my team this year. Feels very much like these two sides are due a trade. Eric's getting proactive on that. And uh, Shannon a little bit less so. Who you got here? I just saw Kevin White run for 50 yards. Did not know he was still in the league. Uh, I think Eric's going to get the win here. Just not a not a great week for Shannon. Uh, I mean, the quarterback situation is rough. Russell Wilson currently a starter. Looks like it's probably going to be Brett Rippon. So either Rippon or uh, PJ Walker. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm taking Eric. Shannon might have, you know, the uh, sorry. Eric might have the worst receiver situation in the league. Shannon might have the worst running back situation in the league. So fun matchup there. Uh, I'll give. Uh, I'll give Eric a slight edge because I think he's going to make a move or two before that one is happening. Okay. Uh, Anti-vaxxable Jaguars versus winning as a breeze. Who you got? Uh, I mean, no cup, no Devonta. It's going to, I think Curtis slaughters them. Slaughters. Wow. There we go. And by the, just really quick, uh, just to remind folks to the Tua thing, it's happening this week, right? He's going to be able to start Tua. He's back Sunday night. Yeah. So starting Tua back in prime time. Okay, which matchup am I missing here? Yves Saint Laurent, that's the commish against Baby Don't Hurts Me. You get him this week. 
you know, it's been a, been a fiery relationship, Reed and Daniel here to start the season. It's great to get them out on the gridiron facing off against each other. Who you got? I'll take it myself. Obviously. Ooh, big upset. Uh, I, we got a, we got a minute to kill here. I'll try to do this quickly. He started Taysom Hill, which I'm, I'm just realizing he has a Mariota Hill pairing going this week because both of his quarterbacks are off and that's kind of been the heart and soul of his team. So I'll give Reed a chance as well. You lucky dog that you get baby don't hurt me. Let's do it. Either of those fucking quarterbacks playing. All right. One other matchup. Finally, Mr. Big Chase, your brother against, uh, Melfi, the little brother of the league. Who you got? Uh, I mean, Melfi doesn't have a second running back literally. So. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm taking Jack. Taking Jack as well. I think we only had one disagreement. Zoom clock is against us as always. Read any quick notes. Commissioner Corner, what you got? Nothing. Nothing. Gang does fantasy podcast. Someone come on next week if you want. I, we tried getting Baron Melfi. This is a call to action. We had Eric last week. It's a fun time. Doesn't have to be a, a huge time commitment if you don't need it to be. Uh, just come on. Let's get some heads on. Maybe we can get a Shannon introduction i don't know let's get some people oh yeah this fantasy podcast see you next week